In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He went in and said to her, Rejoice, O highly favoured, the Lord is with you. She was deeply disturbed by these words and asked herself what this greeting could mean. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have won God's favour. Listen, you are to conceive and bear a son, and you must name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his reign will have no end. Mary said to the angel, But how can this come about, since I am a virgin? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel answered, and the power of the Most High will cover you with its shadow. And so the child will be holy and will be called Son of God. Know this too. Your kinswoman Elizabeth has, in her old age, herself conceived a son, and she whom people call barren is now in a sixth month, for nothing is impossible to God. I am the handmaid of the Lord, said Mary. Let what you have said be done to me. And the angel left her. The Gospel of the Lord What do Eve and Mary have in common? Both of mothers, mothers of the whole human race. If Eve is the mother of fallen humanity, Mary is the mother of redeemed humanity. Topology is a common feature found in scriptures which helps us to see the link between the Old Testament and the New. Figures and events in the Old Testament prefigure those found in the New. In the case of Eve and Mary, it is one of a negative topology. How do we understand this? Well, Mary is what Eve wasn't. St. Jerome famously taught that if death came through Eve, life came through Mary. Mary's obedience untied the knot of Eve's disobedience. Similarly, the first reading and the gospel chosen for this Mass also draw upon these parallels. The parallels are obvious. Both Eve and Mary were women. Both were virgins. Both were approached by angels who, pro who promised them something glorious should they cooperate with their respective pro propositions. Both stood at the dawn of creation. Christ's work was a new creation. The contrast too are obvious. In the one case, disobedience of God brought misery, while in the other, obedience brought about happiness. The first one was all too eager to hear what the evil spirit was suggesting, while the second was troubled at the angel's wondrous greeting. The first accepted the angelic proposal, even though it contradicted God's word, while the second tested the message by its fidelity to God's word. But the readings go beyond just highlighting parallels 
and contrasting the two figures. We see in the Gospel the story of the Annunciation, reversing the effect and the consequence of the temptation of the first Eve in the book of Genesis. In the garden, Eve believed the lies of a fallen angel, disobeyed God, so became the cause of Adam's fall. At the Annunciation, Mary believed the words spoken by a holy angel, obeyed God, and so became the mother of the one who would save us from Adam's fall. Mary's obedience reversed Eve's disobedience. Thus, Mary is the new Eve for the new creation in Christ. But perhaps the most important parallel which highlights the nature of today's feast is the place of sin in God's plan of salvation. There is no place for sin. Full stop. God created the first man and woman in a state of sinlessness. And it is only through their disobedience that sin entered into the world. Now in the work of redemption, in the work of recreation, that is to be wrought by his son, God had to begin with a similar and yet far superior state of sinlessness. Jesus, the sinless one, the unblemished Lamb of God, had to be brought into this world and assume human nature in flesh from one who was similarly preserved from sin, the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Son's unique and irreplaceable role in God's plan of salvation is intertwined with that of Mary, his mother. For failure to recognize the role of the Virgin Mary as part of the salvific plan of the Heavenly Father to bring us our Redeemer would be to reject the obvious, to insinuate that the Son had no mother, that the angel sent by the Father did not come to ask for her free consent, and that she did not morally and physically cooperate to give the Saviour the instrument of salvation, his new human nature. In the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, we see the fulfillment of the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel, which we heard in the first reading, that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent's offspring. Eve's moral failure would be undone by God's victory through Mary, the second Eve, and his son. The Immaculate Conception is really the supreme manifestation of God's prevenient, unmerited mercy. After all, the Virgin Mary did not merit her Immaculate Conception, nor could she ask for it. It was something done in her and for her by the Father of Mercy, and solely on the basis of the foreseen merits of His incarnate Son, Jesus Christ. By God's prevenient grace, therefore, she was made the masterpiece of the Father's mercy. And in the fullness of time, this special grace enabled her to receive our Saviour into the world. This is what we celebrate today. The wondrous, incomparable, the boundless mercy of God. The Feast of the Immaculate Conception is first and foremost a feast of His mercy, shown to Mary and through Mary to the world. We are children of Eve by order of nature, a nature scarred, wounded by original sin. But by the order of grace and God's mercy, we are now children of Mary, redeemed, restored, recreated, called to a life of holiness instead of sin, called to be children of God instead of the world, called to be saints instead of remaining perpetually sinners. 
in Our Lady, we are reminded that we are not irredeemably cursed by sin or the fall, but we have been incontrovertibly redeemed by the mercy of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.